Um, Father, um, man, this morning we're going to talk about putting you first. And that is, uh, anytime we discuss it, a, a challenging topic. But when we look at Exodus 13 this morning, God, I just pray for grace. Pray that there would be uh, no sense of condemnation, but honesty and intimacy, integrity. And God, I pray that we would grow because of it, that you would, Holy Spirit, challenge us in the areas that we need to consider that may, you may not be first in. Um, so God, we just bow our hearts, say, teach us this morning. Anoint my words, God, because I talk about stuff like this and I feel like, wow, I'm, I'm in the journey. Um, how do I speak to something that's beyond my pay grade? And at the same time, grateful that you give me the grace to do that. So help me and help us as we look at this. Just pray for your spirit to be present. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus 13. Um, this particular study is maybe one of the deepest ones, at least in my estimation, that you'll find. Because in our culture, I think that we make God um, comfortable, casual. How many of you guys like God? Come on, you like God. Like, you know, I like God. like the idea of going to heaven. I like eternity. I like salvation. Um, but sometimes when, it's, when you're talking about God, most all of us appreciate God as a Savior, but not all of us serve him as Lord. And what you're going to see in this text, because we're coming out of the Passover. Now, remember last week we talked about they, they, they sacrificed the lamb. They put the blood on the lentil and on the doorposts. And, the, and God passed over, death passed over all of the Israelites. And, and that's the context of the next chapter. So they're, they're leaving. Pharaoh finally says, I'm going to summarize this. We're going to jump in right on chapter 13. Pharaoh finally says to them, just go. In fact, the people are saying to Pharaoh, please let them go. If not, we're all going to be dead. Says that in Egypt, there wasn't a single household that didn't have a dead person in it. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty overwhelming. Imagine every single family in this room right now today lost somebody. That's a, and it's, so there's death, there's mayhem, there's, and they had the opportunity. God tried to reach out to them, but they rejected it. And so he judged the Egyptians to release the Israelites. And, and Pharaoh just says, please, just get out. And then he says this really weird thing. He says, oh, but when you go out to worship, hey, would you bless me? I think that's kind of weird because he's telling them to go and he's still like, it's almost like he's acknowledging God must be real but I'm still resisting. You're going to see that in the coming weeks that he still pursues them. Like he doesn't give up at this, but that's kind of the backdrop. Sacrifice the lamb. It's unblemished. Only the people of God, only the circumcised, only the servants, people who are committed to God were allowed to be part of this event. It was one lamb per household. You were to share it with your neighbors if their household was too small. You were to eat it all. And what you didn't finish, you were to burn with fire. Like this was... Pretty intense, the details that God goes through to make sure that you're preserved. Like there's not a lot of turning left, turning right, doing whatever you want to do. Now, anytime you look at the Old Testament and something seems like extreme, would you guys agree that the Passover was extreme? Yes. Okay, that was only like half of you. Would you agree that the pat, like everybody who doesn't agree with God losing their firstborn is a pretty extreme judgment. That's pretty extreme. Anytime you look at something in the Old Testament and you see that kind of ex extremeness from God, you have to think there's a picture that's happening. It's a, there's a model, a shadow. There's something occurring that we need to learn as believers. I'm grateful that God doesn't judge like that today. But I want us to look at what was this really about? See, the whole picture, it's always old and new. They're kind of tied together. And I, like, I want you to understand this, that, that God is really after your heart. When it's all said and done, God doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't. He doesn't want your attendance in church, but you should go to church, right? That's not, that's not the mark. The mark is your heart. That's what God is targeting. That's what he's always after. And it will center all around this question. This whole text is going to center around this question. I'm going to ask it to you. you guys ready? Is God first? Now, now listen, listen. When I say that, because you agree or disagree with it, doesn't make him first. 
that doesn't change that God is in fact first. It's actually the, the doctrine of preeminence. We're going to get into it in a second. God is first whether you agree with it, but what's, what's awesome is you receive the blessing of God's preeminence when you acknowledge and surrender to it. And that's what this is about. So let's jump in, verse 1. And just in lieu of time, I will not go to 1230 again, okay? Just, you know, some of y'all are like, you went way too long, Pat. It was good, but it was long. Yeah. It's what time? 1231? He's, he watched to the minute last week. That's edgy, dude. Okay, verse 1. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. I, I don't want to waste time with that. It says, it says in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn. Okay, now, now remember, they just went through the Passover. They just watched the firstborn of all of the Egyptians die. And now God is talking to the Israelites, and he's saying, this is what I need you to do. So when, you, when we're reading this text, think exchanges. That's what's going on. Think substitution. That's what's going on. He says, sanctify to me the firstborn, the first offspring of every womb. How many wombs? Every womb among the sons of Israel, both man and beast, watch, it belongs to who? God, God says it's mine. Why? Why? Well, he's the creator. He's God. Yeah. Remember, they didn't have the Bible. Okay. Sometimes we forget that. We're holding the whole story. They weren't. So they're in the midst of this. God just delivered them by killing their firstborn. And God said, oh, by the way, your firstborn are mine. They still belong to me. Now, if you're hearing this story and you're just catching it, aren't you thinking like, oh, what if God takes out my, my firstborn? Is that what he's asking for? Like the same thing he did to the Egyptians? That's not what he's asking for. But he is being very specific. Let's, let's keep going. Let's, uh, this text, I love this text. This text is really powerful. He says in verse 3, Moses said to the people, remember this day, this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, that's important, for by a powerful hand of the Lord you were brought out of the, to this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day in the month of Abib, you are to go forth. So God says, sanctify to me the firstborn, set apart to me the firstborn. That's all sanctify. Like when you guys read the word sanctify, do you guys kind of think this, that's a religious word? Like, how many of you guys, when you're just talking in everyday language, you're like, hey, honey, could you sanctify my piece of steak? You wouldn't say that. That just means to set it apart. But it literally means to set it apart in a holy fashion to God. He says, sanctify, set it apart to me, the firstborn of man and beast. It's very specific. Every womb, man and beast, it belongs to me. Now, remember, again, you're in the face of things that were just transitioning I don't need a pen. Okay, there we go. I don't know why there's a pen on my podium. I just didn't need it. It was distracting me. Okay, so, so why? It, it, remember, remember. He says, remember this. He's saying, I want you to remember this, telling them. How could they have forgotten it was a day? Think about this. If God did something supernatural in you like three hours ago, would you have already forgotten it right now? No. Not likely. So he's talking about future posterity inheritance, generational inheritance, passing it along. He says, you should remember, you should remember, you should call it to your mind. Watch, you should meditate on it. That's how important he's saying this is. See, remembering always means this biblically so that you understand. Rooted into this word remember is the, the idea of action. He doesn't say remember just to remember. He said you should do something with that remembrance. And I'm going to suggest to you what it is. Remembering Passover will produce in you worship because God spared you. That's what's going on right here. How many of you guys can think of when God spared you? Come on. You guys remember when like lost, you were found, God spared you. Some of you were only doing a little crazy. You're like, I grew up in a good home. My parents were pretty like strict and I just kind of pushed the boundaries a little. Others of you were doing all sorts of crazy, kind of like me. And God spared you. And then God says, listen, don't ever forget when you were rescued. And that rescuing should always produce in you a sense of worship. That's what he's telling the people. So, so a question for you, can God do anything? Yes. Yes. Sure about that? Of course. Yeah, really? He's God? Sure. Really? So God can lie? 
God can lie? Can God lie? No, I'm not setting you up. I'm actually teaching you right now accurate theology. Please understand. I'm not setting you up. Can God lie? Yes or no? No, then that means God cannot do everything. Why, why, why do some of you get to argue with me? Listen, just track with me. Come on. just I'm getting comments from the seats. Wait a minute. He's God. You can't tell me. I'm trying to teach you something that's deeper than you might understand. Can God lie? No. Can he change? No. no. Because if God could change, it would imply that he's not perfect. And how can something perfect change? Or why would it have need of changing? God even says of himself, I'm immutable. I'm not like man that I would change. I'm not like man that I would lie. So can God do anything? The actual answer is no. Now watch, watch. This is important to say because he can't violate his own character. So anytime you're talking about what God can and can't do, like don't come up to me and go, can God make a rock too big, so big that he can't move it? No, but God is never going to lie. He's never going to change because he'll never violate his person, his character, his nature. What, what about this? Does God think the way that we think? No. Mm. Actually, he says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In, in fact, I would suggest to you that because God is all-knowing, he never has to think anything. I just raised the bar on you guys. You, you've never even thought of what I'm saying to you right now. Welcome to lots of years of reading. God bless you. <laughs> Why is this important? Because when you start to look at this text, you're going to realize something that God never, ever changed. See, this right here is the doctrine of preeminence. Is God first? What is he capable of? What is within his scope of being able to do what he's doing. So another question for you, can God be second? Now, now he can be, but should he be? No, never. God shouldn't be. See, this is, again, this is known as preeminence. Now, when you think of your eminence, like if somebody were to see it like a king, they'd be like, oh, your eminence. That means I, you're, you're famous, you're recognized, you're a person of authority. But when you speak of God, it says of God that he is preeminent. That means he's before all fame or authority. Man, guys, remember that song, famous one? You are the Lord. Anyways, I like it. See, God being preeminent means this. God is before everything. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says this. There is one body and there's one spirit. Just as you also were called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Watch, watch. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Can you say that he's all in all? So again, can God be second? The, the answer is no, he cannot. Now we can place him second, but God is never what? He's never second. Somebody got to turn off their phone. I'm just saying. That's crazy. Okay, so he's overall, through all. He's all in all. So question for you, will God take whatever you offer to him? I got one no. I got he wants the best. See, because there's a popular idea in Christianity today that whatever you bring to God, he will accept. That's not true. Man, I got some mature believers in the room. So some of you guys are tracking with me. Some of you are like, never really thought of it. Do you think God will take whatever you throw on the table for him? No. 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 See, see, this is, God, God doesn't take second best. Never, never has, never will. But this is what we do. We presume that because of the grace of God, he will take whatever we put on the table. That is actually an unbiblical concept. I shared with you guys last week that when you talk about grace, the law of grace is a higher standard than the, the Old Testament law. It's higher. Yes. I shared with you that, that if you were to commit adultery, you had to do the act in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you just got to look at her or look at him. Murder, you had to kill somebody. You just have to think bad thoughts in the New Testament. Grace is a higher law than is the law itself. So when we're talking about this topic, you've got to understand, 
God can never, ever, ever just take whatever it is you bring to him. So he says to them, you should bring the firstborn of every womb, man and beast, and bring it to me. So I got a question for you. If you just got delivered from Egypt, you just walked out of Pharaoh's grip after 430 years, listen, to the very day. How precise was God? The day that Joseph walked into Egypt, 430 years later is the same day they walked out. That, that's remarkable to me, 430 years. And if you just observed all of the plagues with the final plague being their, their firstborn died, would God take the second or third from you? Fourth, fifth, tenth? What, would he? Did we offer him the first? Again, I'm going to ask you the question. Is God first? See, you can measure how God is first by what you do with your time. Listen, listen, I get all of you right now but by what you do with your money. You can measure if God is first by where you put your energy, your efforts, where you use your gifting. Is it always about you or is it about God first? Which is it? See, because when you're looking at this text, there is no way in this context, anybody in this context would think this. I'm going to give God the second or the third or the fifth or the eighth or, or let's give God that, that little lamb that, man, I hate that lamb anyway. He's always eating my, my carrots and stuff. He's eating up my garden all the time. Let's give him that one because I don't like that one anyways. See, that, that's how we behave. Listen, I mean, I'm going to show you guys how much God got me with this. And it's so small, but he got me with this. So I'm I'm going through my notes this morning. I'm doing what I always do and praying like God first. Any areas that I'm not first. And God is my witness. He said, remember that money you made a couple weeks ago doing work? I said, yeah. He goes, did you tithe? I promise you this happened this morning. I immediately logged in and gave. Immediately. Like I didn't even, I knew if God is saying, hey, listen, it wasn't even a lot of money, like 30 bucks. It wasn't a lot of money. We're not talking about a lot of money. Talking about oversight, not acknowledging God, not being precise. God says, you sure I'm first? And I said, yeah, you're first. I'm, I'm trying to cover all the areas. God, I'm trying to like watch my eyes. I mean, even my attitude, which if I'm honest, I'm struggling with the attitude thing lately. I am a little bit, but I'm working on it. Like when it pops up, I'm like, Jesus, help. Anybody else? Is everything first? See, if you brought him second or third, would this be considered worshiping God? Would it be worship that God would accept? No, see, see, that's it. So is this what God asked of them? Will you take the second, third, the tenth best or, or second? Like God will never take second place. Like I want to prove this to you. That's this important concept for the whole of your walk with God. Because I don't want any of us to go into this idea of what God has graced you with, gifted you with, provided for you, that somehow you have authority over it, not in line with the scriptures or what God is asking. So this is very important. Listen, how important do I think this is? Like I'm, I'm pausing for two reasons. I don't want to offend anybody, and I really want you to get this. And I want to say this. You'll never do it perfect, but you have to listen when God is checking you. Amen. Like none of us is perfect this side of heaven. But when I'm studying this and I go, God, he goes, did you give off of that? And I went, I, I didn't take care of it right now. So I, the challenge is real. The challenge is there. I want worship, but this is how big a deal this is to God. This is out of Malachi chapter one. And I'm going to read a handful of verses here just for context. I'm not really going to break it down a lot, but just so you understand the idea of God being first and God being preeminent. So verse 6 of chapter 1, it says, a son honors his father. This is a good idea, right? Most sons honor. I know some of you have bad dads. Not talking, I'm just saying principally, sons should honor their fathers. And he goes on, he says, as a son honors his father and a servant his master, then if I'm a father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my respect? This is what the Lord of hosts says to you, O priest. You despise my name, but you say, have we despised your name? You're presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? And, and that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the, the blind for sacrifice, remember, unblemished, remember? That means the first, the best. Isn't it evil? 
And when you present the lame or the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to the governor? Like, like, like listen, listen. Pastor Russ, a.k.a. Governor Newsom. If Pastor Russ came over my house, no, I'm playing. If Governor Newsom came to my house, would I present him the leftovers or would I make him a primary, like, primo meal? Like, I know some of you are like, you don't even like Governor Newsom. What are you talking about? That's not true. I actually pray for him a lot more. I'm just, but in all sincerity, if, if somebody of, of authority came and sat in your home, would you give them second, third, tenth best, or would you give them the best of the best that you have? Wouldn't you give them the best of what you, That's what God's saying. Listen, if the governor showed up, what would you give him? Would he be pleased with you? Like if you gave him the blind, the, the, the lame, the, the sick, like this thing's going to die anyways, let's slaughter that one and cook it for dinner. Saying no. He said, or would he receive you kindly if you treated him that way? That's the inference, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, it says, but, but now will you not entreat God's favor that he should be gracious to us? In other words, you, you want me to be kind to you, but with such an offering on your part, will he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that you were one among the, <clears throat> oh, that you were one among you. Oh, that you were one among you who should, would shut the gates. I don't know why that was so hard to read, but it was. That you might not uselessly kindle the fire on my altar. I'm not pleased with you. So in other words, this is what he just said. Let me turn this into modern English. You just put a sacrifice on the altar, but because it was lame, sick, blind, not unblemished, not 100%, I'm not okay with it. You never even should have lit the fire. So again, I'm going to ask a question. Does God take second best? No, no, no he doesn't. He, he says, says the Lord of hosts, nor, watch, watch, nor will I accept an offering from you. For from the rising of the sun, even till its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered in my name and grain offering that is pure. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. This is known as the preeminence of God. Does God take seconds? Does he take leftovers? Does he take whatever you want to bring? Now, now listen, I'm going to say something to you that is, is a little, well, I'm going to say several things that are strong. I hope you're okay with that. But, but listen, can God accept the second best? Can he? Actually, theologically, she's right. No. He can't take second best. That would make him imperfect. See, you, you've, you've got to grapple with this, you guys. I, I'm trying to help you. And like, some of you are like, ooh, this is edgy. This isn't filled with grace. I don't agree with him. That's okay. Listen, I love you. I love you. Stay stuck. You cannot challenge the word of God when it's as clear as it is on a topic like this. You just can't do it. You have to check your heart, not me, check your heart. Listen, if you come out the other side of this and God is saying, hey, you don't have to pay attention to this portion of scripture, I'm not done yet. When I'm done, I'll prove it to you, don't worry. I'll, I'll use the Bible to show you that I'm not in left field somewhere, but I'm trying to bring you something that's not light duty. It is fairly heavy. Can you bring God's second best? No, he wouldn't ex accept it. Actually, he can't accept it. He can't accept second best. He accepts it. Now, listen, listen. Let me give you a little grace. You guys ready for a little grace? We're ready for a little breather. So I say, please be nicer, Pastor. Let, let, listen, listen. The best that you've got is the best that you've got at this moment. Okay? So, so some of you are like, but what if that's not the best I'll ever... No, just bring them the best of what you got. Like, I've said this to many people. There were times I was limping along in my journey with Jesus whether it was as a leader, whether it was as a, as a believer, but I can say with confidence, I've always put 100% of whatever I got on the table. Like, God, I, this is the best I got right now. And when he asked for more, I would give it. But you can't give what you don't possess. Hello? So that, that's the grace. Like, some of you are going like, but what about, and what if you got things going on? Give him 100% of what you got right now. 100%. And you'll be surprised at what he'll return back to you when you live with them that way. So question, why give to God first? Like, why would you prioritize giving to God first? Why is that? Like, does, why does it belong to God? 
Why do we have to remember this? How many of you guys have been walking with Jesus a long time? Long time. Man, like the majority in the room. You know why you have to remember this? How many of you guys have forgotten what I just said? You've had times in your life where you struggled to adhere to honoring God first. Anybody? Okay, really, only your pastor's hand is up? Come on, man. I don't think y'all being truthful right now. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. See, the reality is this, that you have to remember or remind yourself because it's easy to forget, and life is life, and it crashes in on you. You're like, whoa, this is hard. And God says, come back to center. Let me remind you that you're stuck, but the reason you're stuck is some of the things that you're practicing. So these are just a couple things that are probably going on here. At first, it's all about your heart. That's the first thing. Anytime God is dealing with stuff like this, whether it's your time, your money, your, your energy, your whatever it is, it's always about your what? Listen, why? Because from your heart, everything else flows. Everything else flows from your heart. So wherever your heart is, like, like, listen, the second thing is this. It's about walking in faith. How are you doing with your journey of faith? How are you doing with trusting God as the provider, not yourself? Just work a little harder. Work a little harder and I'll make it through. And God sometimes is saying, I want you to work harder. I want you to trust me. I don't want you to find a side gate. I want you to trust me. I don't want you to ramble and scramble and do. I want you to what? trust because it's about faith. And the third is this, it's separating yourself from the way the world thinks about stuff. That's why when he sent them out, they went out with what kind of bread? Come on. Unleavened. Good, good. What's leaven a type of? Leaven's a type of sin. It's a type of being worldly. He said, listen, when you go out, I leave the worldliness behind. So it's your heart. That's the first thing. It's walking in faith. That's the second thing. And he's saying, separate yourself from the world. Now, now watch what he goes on. This is back now in Exodus. This is verse 5 of, of chapter 13. It says, you, it shall be when the Lord brings you out of the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. That's a lot of ites, isn't it? Which he swore to give to your fathers. That's really important because God's a God of covenant. God of promise. Remember the title of this series in Exodus is Journey to what? Promise. Because he was bringing them to a promised land. Listen, he's bringing you to a promised land. Same thing. Now, your, your promised land may not be Israel, so to speak, literally, but God has given you a promise, me a promise, us a promise. And he's saying, I want you to walk in that promise. He says, listen, I swore to give this to your fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey that you shall observe this right in this month. God promises and fulfills the promise. That's exactly what's going on. So, so let's make some modern application to this. Okay, so maybe you guys will track with me a little better right now. When you became a Christian, you surrendered your life to Jesus, right? Everybody with me? We're all on the same page? Anybody not in the room, not a Christian, I'll give you a chance before we're done. If you're online and you don't know Jesus, you should surrender your heart to him. But when Jesus, you surrendered your heart, what did he give you? Eternal life, the Holy Spirit, forgiveness. But really, it's eternal life. Listen, it's a quality of life. He gave you an eternal life, less sin. There's no sin in this life. Think like everything, like I say this to believers all the time, as close to hell as you're ever going to get what you're living right now. Close to hell as you'll ever get. Everything else is eternal life. It's moving forward. It's life without sin. So I got a question for you. What did God bring you out of? What did you get delivered from? Like, let's make this, you're an Egyptian, you're in Egyptian slavery, and God leads you out toward a promised land. Okay, same analogy, modern, this is about you. You are in slavery to sin, sin pride, insecurities depression, anger, unforgiveness, abuse, justification. Come on, am I, am I hitting any of them? Pride. What's yours? See, because we all have one, 10, I don't know, 30. We all have them, don't we? What's yours? What were you enslaved to? And so now you're standing just this side of slavery, just this side. And God says, I want your best. That's the picture. 
That's the picture. I want your best. Okay, Jesus, I trust you. I believe you. You died on a cross for me. You, you shed your blood for my sins. I get to go to heaven. And he says, great. Give me your first. Amen. Give me your best. Give me 100%. 100% of what? Like I know when I got saved, 100% of me was like, like, it was a little bit. I think the thing I had going for me is I was crazy but I was certainly not refined and I definitely was not disciplined and I didn't know the ways of Jesus. I just, but I went every, like somebody, I remember somebody came up to this and said, tell everybody you meet about Jesus. That's part of being a Christian, going to all the world, preach the gospel. So what do you think I did? I told everybody about Jesus. Every, I don't care where, I went to AMP and told them about Jesus. I went to my buddy's house, smoking weed, tell them about Jesus. Went to my drunk friends. By the way, don't preach people drunk. They, they just cry. Anyways, they, they, none of them respond. But I would preach because that's what they told me to do. This was giving Jesus my best. Yeah. Yeah. What's giving Jesus your best? What is it for you? What was it for you? What is it for you right now? He wants your best because he just set you free from slavery and bondage and, uh, and now he says, give me the best. What, what's your best? I gave you life, so now I want you to honor me with your life. Okay, can we all agree this is 301? This ain't 101? L -l Listen, can we all agree that Jesus loves you intensely? Can we all agree, can we all agree that he forgives you? He's full of love and grace but he also calls us to walk differently than we used to. Calls us to walk differently. In verse 6 of Exodus 13, he says, For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. In other words, stay away from worldly stuff. And on the seventh day there shall be a feast of the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and nothing leavened shall be among you, nor shall there be any leaven even in the borders. Like, I don't even want it around you. No sin. Separate yourself entirely. Listen, separate yourself from the world. Seven is the number of completion. I want you to live as a complete being. That is actually what he's showing them. And then verse 8, he says, you shall tell your sons on that day. Who are you going to tell? Okay, so it's not just for you, right? Who else is it for? Okay, I'm going to lovingly rebuke some parents, only the ones online, though, because all of you in the room are doing it right, right? <laughs> I'm playing with y'all. Please don't tell me I'm going to let my kids figure out their own way. Man. See, li listen, can I, I, I'm going to go kind of deep right here, so hang with me. What do you think is happening in our society when we're telling kids that you can decide what gender you are when you're 15 or when you're three or six? What do you think we're telling them? that you're God, that's what we're telling them. Please understand, that's the end run of that thought process. You're God. And what is happening? An absence of parental in infusion saying, you're made in the image of God. You're wonderful, you're fearful, you're, you're holy, you're blind. We're, we're not teaching them who Jesus is in their life, so it's all open game. You can just be whatever you want. Heck, you can be an it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a they, them. Like, I'm not trying to pick on pronouns. Just, it's illogical. Help me, please. And when parents say, hey, I'm just going to let my kid figure it out. I don't want to force religion on them. They'll just find their own way. You know what they're going to find? Hell. That's what they're going to find. Parents, it is your job to lead your kids and direct them toward righteousness. By the way, when your kids go south and listen to me, most every kid does, at least for a season. Don't give up. Don't lay up. Don't stop. I mean, my son Michael is sitting here. Michael, did I fight with you a few times? Not fight, fight, but grapple because he was doing stuff. And I'm like, this is not God. I kept contending. We were praying. Wouldn't do even. By the way, compared to me, he was like a schoolboy. He's a Boy Scout. I'm serious. But when you watch your kids going a little off track, you're like, I got to fight for that. Like I shared a story with something that happened with one of my other kids. Somebody said, you had that conversation with your kid. I'm like, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I help them know the way of God? Why wouldn't I? Because I don't want to offend them. Help me, please. Like, I'm sorry, I see this happen. Part of what you're seeing is like, oh, church, wake up. Parents, wake up. It is your job to train them in the way they should go. It's your job. 
That's why he's saying, listen, when your son says to you on that day, is you're going to say back to him, it's because the Lord, it's because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. I'm like, why? Why would I do all these things for God? Because he loved me so much that he set me free. I want that same freedom for you. By the way, kids growing up in a Christian household does not guarantee that they follow Jesus. They have to make a choice. But man, it way increases the odds of them being successful. Way increases the odds. Okay, I already got the 15-minute warning, so let's stay focused. Okay, so, so man, he says, man, because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, verse 9, and it shall serve as a sign for you on your hand. In other words, everything you put your hand to, you're doing. And as a reminder on your forehead, you're thinking, that's how you should think about this, that the law of the Lord will be in your mouth. That is your heart. Because of the abundance of the, the mouth, the heart does what? It speaks. So you're supposed to train your kids in what they do and what they think and in who they are. That's what he just taught. That's the first offering God, the very first. Now listen, parents, deep breath. If you've made a mistake, and all of us have, start. Start somewhere. Amen. Build a bridge. You know, you know a good way to build the bridge? Just listen, this is free. I'm sorry I didn't do this better when you were smaller but this is actually what Jesus thinks about this. Oh, mom, you're so religious. Oh, dad, you're so crazy. I know you think I'm crazy, but I want you with me in paradise. That's what I want. And I don't want you to suffer all the sin and ridiculousness of this world. I want you walking side by side with Jesus and knowing that the presence of God in the midst of the struggle, because life is a what? Struggle. Struggle. And it gets real sometimes. So everything they do, everything they think, everything of who they are. So breathe a second, go, because ah, I just took you off the high dive. Some of you are like, I never even jumped in a pool before, and you just took me 40 meters up, Pastor. That's crazy. That's a big high dive, I know. But this is what I think. Sometimes we just assume that God is okay with everything when, in fact, he's not. He's not. Now listen, none of this to be condemning, none of this to be shameful, none of this to say you blew it, stinks to be you, that's not it at all. This is all to say realign yourself with who God is, his purpose, his will, his way. You should think like this. God will take you just as you are. Somebody say amen. amen. Man, remember when you got saved? I know how I was, and I know that God said, yep, good enough for me, I'll take it. I thought that was great. But, but, but watch, watch, watch. Then he's going to ask you to surrender to him. How many of you guys have found surrenders hard? Yeah. Sorry, like, like the white flag? Come on, that's only like three of you? Come on, the rest of you are not to be. How many of you have found that surrender is difficult? God says, give up the, the unforgiveness. I don't want to give up the unforgiveness. It'll set you free. Okay, fine. Hey, I want you to give up your entitlement, your right, your, your justifying why you are the way you are. Like, geez, you're the baby of 12 kids. You have the right to always be... That's me. God's like, really? You have the, the right to be free from that. That's what you have the right to be. Or you can keep that and you can stay stuck with it. Which do you want? And over and over, I'm like, okay, God, you got to help me because it just comes out of me. How many guys have it come out of you? Come on, help me out, church. You just like, you get in the moment and you automatically respond. And then afterwards, you realize there's an issue here. Okay, you know all you got to do when that happens? Like, like listen, this is, where, this is what I love about God. He's not saying 100% perfection. He's saying 100% in. That's all you got to do. Okay, God, I know I blew that one. What could you have done differently, James? Well, I probably could have not said anything. That probably would have helped. That probably would have helped. Okay, well, that's a good start. How about what's going on inside your head and your heart? Because there's something working in there that's making you do that. Okay, Jesus, will you show me? Because if you show me, I don't want to be the guy who reacts. I don't want to be the guy who gets angry easily. I don't want to be that, that, that guy. I want to be the guy who's, who's temperate, who's prudent, who's thoughtful. Who's can, I, want to be, I want to be Christ-like. Am I talking to anybody right now? He'll check you in that moment. And when he checks you, when you say, man, God, I can't do this. He's like, that's good because I'm in the business of being able to do that in you. You just need to surrender and let me do it. I'm talking to anybody, help me. Yeah, yeah. This is powerful stuff, you gotta get this. 
Because if you agree with this, this is when you're in the mix. This is called relationship with God. Well, I got a right to do whatever I want. And God's like, no, you don't. You were bought with a price. You're no longer your own. You belong to me. This is about me and you and deepening your walk in me. It's about setting you free. And that's what God is up to. He's trying to really set some of you free. Man. He goes on, though. Watch, watch, watch. God will take you just as you are. He'll ask you to surrender him to him. And then he'll ask you to allow you to change, like allow him to change you. That's the process. Just, it's just a willingness. Like you realize that you're like, when you say, I'm too weak to do it, God's like, no worries. I got you. Because I'm not. In fact, that promise comes into play. In my weakness, he is made strong. Yeah, yeah. It's a promise thing. Verse 11 of Exodus 13, he says, Now when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to your fathers, and he gives it to you, you shall devote. That means pass over, pass by, or, or how about this, present to God. You shall devote, you shall pre present to God the first offspring of every womb, the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. So in other words, you have a little lamb, and you sacrifice the lamb to God. That's actually what it just said. You're going to give it. To God. Okay, watch. But every first offspring of a donkey, you shall redeem with the lamb. So if you have donkeys, you have a little donkey, and it's a male, you're like, okay, the male has got to have redemption. So that means I got to take another lamb and sacrifice it for the male. Okay, watch, I'm going to paint a picture for you. This is actually really powerful. It's cool too. So, so you've got a couple of things going on. The lamb has got to be offered. The donkey has got to be redeemed. But if you don't redeem it, the donkey, then you shall break its neck. So either way, you're going to lose it. And every firstborn among men, the sons, you shall redeem. So now you've got a lot of sacrificing going on. But watch, question for you, is a lamb a clean or an unclean animal? Clean. clean. Okay, good. Got one Bible student. The rest of you all know, lamb, clean, you get to eat lamb. Okay, the clean animal. How about a donkey? Clean or unclean? Unclean. unclean. Okay, so you've got clean lambs, they need to be sacrificed. Remember, you're giving God the first. Donkeys, they need to be redeemed. Okay, now watch, I'm gonna take this full, full circle for you. you guys. Ready? Hopefully you get this. Pay attention. It's not super deep, but it's really good. When you were born, were you clean or unclean? What? Louder, church, come on. You were unclean, okay. So when Jesus was born, was he clean or unclean? He was clean. When Jesus went to the cross for you, what did he do? He took your spot. So the unclean, you and I, were redeemed. You tracking with me? By the what? The clean. That's a way bigger deal than I think you guys understand. So when God is saying to you, I want your first and best, because you had no way to get there, and I still picked you. Ah, I think that's glorious, man. Like when, when I see that, I just kind of sit back and I go, like, like in, in my naiveness of just being human, this is kind of what goes on in my head. Like, well, of course, I'm smarter and, and I'm just better than everybody else. That's why God picked me. Yeah, some of you are laughing, but you think the exact same thing. I just have a mic on, so I say it out loud. But the reality is this. I know better. I know I'm not better than Gonzalo or Bobby. I know I'm quite different, and I know that I'm fearfully, and I know that I'm unique to God. I know that I have a personal identity, and I know that my gift is to do what I do. So does that make me better? No. Oh, no, not even close. Actually gives me a lot more opportunity to mess up. Somebody say amen, because my whole life's on display. The reality is this, that he said, listen, you're unclean. I gave the clean to redeem the unclean. Now watch, watch, watch. Was Jesus important to the Father? In fact, in Colossians, it says that he's the firstborn of all creation. And it says that, that from him and in him and through him that all things were created. So in other words, Jesus was side by side with the Father. And the Father goes, okay, listen, I'm going to take my very best so that I can get you. Whoo, man. 
Uh, that you got to get what that's really powerful. I know some of you are like, oh, it's just about grace, Pastor. You're being all technical. No, 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 no. Most of you don't live like this is true. That's why I'm like, like in it on you. Because listen, if you get this, you understand everything about God is the best of the best. And he wants to redeem everything about your life so much so that he gave his best of the best. Wow, man. So that you could be free. So that, listen, you'd no longer live in bondage. You'd no longer live in sin. You'd no longer live in brokenness and drugs and alcohol and, and giving up your body so that a man would love you or so that a woman would love you instead of keeping your integrity, your purity in Christ and offering to a husband or a wife all of your person. See, we do this with sexuality. We do this with, with Christian liberties. It's okay for me to drink. Okay, sure. Maybe not. Definitely not okay for you to party and get drunk. Definitely not. Scripture's super clear about it. So are we giving them our best or are we just giving them the leftovers? Which is it? See, listen, I'm checking some of you because some of you have allowed your liberty in Christ to do whatever you want. And Paul said this about those liberties. All things are permissible. I can do whatever I want. But not everything is profitable. It's not all good. You can do whatever you want. That doesn't necessarily mean that God is okay with you doing that. See, is it the best that you're giving him? Is it your best that you're offering to him? Now, listen, I could take this into the world of tithing because this clearly is a representation of tithing. It's clearly a representation of, do you give God the first tenth part of all that comes into your household? Watch it. Listen, listen. this is free. This is not really in my notes. It's just free. This is about giving and generosity. This is about God checking you at four in the morning with a $30 tithe that you didn't give. And he's like, don't forget to honor me first. This is happening in your world too. I know that. But listen, if I had a lamb and it's the very first lamb and God says the very first one belongs to me and I go, well, not yet, not until I have 10, because then I'll give you one of the 10. Well, it's easy to give one if I've got 10, but it's very difficult to give one if I've only got one. You hear what I'm saying? That's why God says, you honor me with the first. So listen, listen, just take it into the world of giving. That doesn't mean pay your mortgage, pay your car payment, set aside some money, go out to dinner. What about that vacation I want to go? Oh, the kids got sports stuff and travel ball and oh, so-and-so needs shoes. Oh, we want to go to Disneyland and oh, they're like three bucks left for Jesus. Here's the three bucks, Jesus. No, it's this. The first tenth goes to Jesus. There's my mortgage. There's my, there's my, there's my. Oh, and we don't have money for that. So you don't make God second, third, tenth, the leftovers. You make them first. Listen, because God gave Jesus the best of the best for you, you give to God the best of the best because he redeemed you. This makes sense. This makes sense. Okay, let's see. I got like two minutes. Two minutes. Listen, God does want to bless you. You need to know that. He wants to bless you and he wants you to live in fruitfulness and he doesn't want you to live underneath the curse. So, so listen, listen, listen. I know some people are thinking, I don't think I totally agree with everything he said. No problem. Go study it out yourself. I have no issue with that. In fact, so much so that if you come up with a different idea, let's talk. I'm good for the conversation. I love the conversations. Listen, I understand this. I know what I know, but I might not know what you know and you may be smarter than me. You might be. You might know something I don't know. And I'm okay with listening. And I want to learn together. But listen, this is what I think. This is what I think. Some of you think, I don't think God's like that. I think maybe God is a little more gracious than what pastors making up to be. Listen, I've just got something real straight to say to you. Don't confuse patience with grace. Don't confuse patience with grace. Because God is patient about us coming his way doesn't mean that he's approving it. You get what I'm saying? See, ultimately, he says, the first of everything that you do belongs to me. Watch the first of your day. Man, I struggle with this one. 
Man, phones are terrible, aren't they? Struggle with this one. Come downstairs, there's a text. I'm like, ooh, look, a text. Oh, look, it's snowing. Ooh, Facebook, there's snow everywhere. Everybody's in this, the snowmen, and they're sledding. And two hours later, I'm like, egad, everybody's in the snow. By the way, I went off-roading in the snow. It was awesome. I have videos. I'll show them to you later. It was fun. It's so easy to get distracted. So easy to not put God first. Just in something as elementary as good morning, Jesus. I'm here. Could I read a psalm? Fill my heart with your word. Bless my family. Cover over me. Keep your hand on me today. Simple. I'm not even talking about deep. The first. Just the first. Listen, I'm sure if I went around this room, I bet you 80 or 90% of us don't do Jesus first. We do something first, but probably not Jesus. He's in there. He's not left out necessarily. Maybe for some of you, like, I don't know. That's bad, but maybe. Okay. I'm over a minute now. I hate, I hate clocks. Listen, can I say this to you? Some of you that God has been knocking on the door of your heart for a really long time. Really long time. Not only in lines of salvation, but in lines of priorities. Where are you putting? He's been knocking on, he's been saying, would you please put me first? And we get distracted by some things that are good. Some of the things are good. They're not evil. They're good. And we get distracted. And he just keeps knocking. And he says, man, he, like, listen, I would say this. You know him, but he isn't first. But he wants to be first. He wants to be the highest priority in your life. He's your savior, but he's not necessarily your Lord. He wants to be both. He wants to be both. Moses closes. He, say, he says, man, when your son asks you, tell him, we honor God because of what he set us free from. That he took us out of slavery in Egypt. And I got to tell you this last principle, and then I'll pick it up next time because I have more notes, but I'm trying to be nice. So God leads the people. This is verse 17, and I'll finish with this. It says, now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. So, so God is going to lead you out of something. How many of you guys are stuck? been stuck, probably might be stuck in the future sometime, you can all raise your hands. It's called life. Hello, help me. Everybody hits spots where you're stuck. It happens to everybody. So God is going to lead you out. And he goes, hey, listen, I know that that seems like the easy way, the way of the Philistines, because it's really near, but we're not going to go that way. The people might, well, you know, if I make it easy for them, they might change their minds when they see war. And then they'll run back to what they used to know, Egypt. This happened to anybody before? Go back to what you're familiar with, what you know, what's easy, but not God. It's not God. When it's challenging, he says, so hence God led them around by the way of the wilderness. Man, we hate the wilderness. How many of you guys hate the wilderness? Everybody hates the wilderness. But what if I told you in the wilderness, there's the presence of God? There, there's a, a, a pillar that's a cloud by day, and there's a pillar of fire by night. You're going to be protected from the sun in the daytime. You're going to be warm at night. You're going to have God's presence about you all the time. He's going to lead you. Oh, and, and Moses, Moses is the man. Like, he's intimate with God, face-to-face -face conversations. Like, he's your leader. You're going to know that God is present with you. Amen. Wilderness, or do you want to go by the way of the Philistines, the easy way? Listen, there's always a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Always. And God says, listen, so that you know that you know that it's me, I don't want you to run, so let's keep you right in where you're supposed to be. So he leads them through the wilderness so they don't go back to their own old ways. And God leads them, listen, and I'm actually covering all this. I did pretty good, didn't I? Final showing of God is his presence, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. So listen, as I close this, I'm going to pray for you and send you guys out just to grapple around, wrestle around with God a little bit. Three things that you should really pay attention to. First off, your heart. Pay attention to your heart. Because your heart, your heart will get cold. Cold hearts are easy to see because they're, they're almost anti-God. They're like against anything. Now, now listen, lukewarm hearts are harder to see because they're kind of indifferent. God's going to do what God's going to do. I don't really care. But warm hearts are surrendered. They're close. Your goal is to have a warm heart toward the things of God. And you will know that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. 
So if your treasure is in God, your lifestyle will be surrounded by the things of God. It'll be surrounded by, by worship. It'll be surrounded by generosity. It'll be surrounded by honoring God with your stuff, by actually tithing, not making excuses about it. It'll be surrounded by where you put your attention and your energy. I'm a pastor. You don't know how hard I work. Maybe you shouldn't work 80 hours a week. I love you. You're losing your life. You're losing. How do I know? I've worked 80 hours a week. That's how I know. Listen, don't just sell your whole soul to make a little money. Keep some balance, some tension. Don't disregard God. Keep him at the center of all that stuff. Remember, all honor starts in your heart. And if you're going to worship God, it's a matter of your heart. The other thing is your stuff. It's simple. If God has your stuff, he has you. It's just that simple. If he has your stuff, he has you. If you're generous with what he has entrusted to you, he's got you. And, and the last thing is this, is just pride. See, pride is usually the battlefront of worship. Pay attention. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. Part of the reason why, the, like, I know some of you are like, worship is so long, Pastor. Isn't it glorious? Isn't it glorious? Like, like, think like this. Like, you're going to go to heaven, and worship is the thing. It's the thing. You're like, is it going to be the hokey music that they do in church? By the way, our music's not hokey. These guys can play and sing. I love it. But, but listen, maybe God will have a style of worship for you that sounds like ACDC, but it worships. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this, that when you get to heaven, your primary thing will be what? Worship. worship. And pride is always the contender of worship. How do I know that? Because Satan said, they will bow to me, they will follow me. And in his pride, he did what? Fell. And watch, this is how, this is how powerful pride is. In his pride, he fell and he took a third of the angels with him. Pride is super dangerous. So listen, listen, a surrendered heart, one that has worship, one that, that like understands that, that your ideas are not always God's ideas. So surrender your thoughts because you might be surprised what God is up to. I'm going to finish like this and I'm going to pray for y'all. Listen, I want to encourage you. Don't walk by what you see. Your eyes will deceive you. Your eyes will deceive you. You know, I, I love the stuff on Facebook where it'll like pop stuff up or, you know, Instagram. I'm actually starting to be on Instagram a little bit. By the way, TikTok is filthy. Anyways, just saying, it is. It's really dirty. Like you really have to reset the algorithm so it's not dirty. But, but it's really remarkable to me that this is free, by the way. Watch what your kids are on. Holy cow. Like, like somebody told me get TikTok because I guess I'm on TikTok now. I don't know. I'm on TikTok <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Santosh. I'm on TikTok. The church is actually, but they, it's me and it's Pastor Russ and Marty preached last week. Henry, like we, we end up with clips. It's great. We preach the gospel on it. But you realize that before you get to the point where it's a good feed, there's all kinds of junk and girls scantily dressed, dancing nasty. It's just bad. It's bad. Anyways, that, that said, it's just kind of all over. Guard yourself because what you see with your eyes, like I like those posts that seem like they're one thing, they become another. I love those. See, see, listen, don't only measure with your eyes. You got to measure with what God is up to. You got to measure with your heart. So listen, as I close, I'm just going to say this. Is he first? Is he first? I can tell by where you put your energy, can tell by where you put your, your time, your skill, by where you put your money. I, I can tell. I mean, I love, I heard one preacher say this one time. He goes, he goes, if you tell me God's first, show me your bank account. I'll show you whether or not he's first. Like, yeesh, that's pretty hardcore, but it's true. If you honor God first, you honor him first. With the firstborn, the first fruits, the fr of all of it. Amen? amen? But it's a walk of faith. Somebody say amen. It's a walk of faith. Amen. Listen, all of what I'm talking about is putting it in God's hands and trusting him for the increase and for the blessing. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you guys to send you out of here. Father, thank you, uh, that, thank you that worship is, your presence is just great. And God, I, I pray that you accomplish many things in the hearts of your people while we're surrendered in song and we're trying to discover your will and your way and we're declaring our need for you, God. We just pray that you would be present in our lives. God, when it comes to the matter of first, 
God, we want to say, God, you're first. And God, we want to know the areas that we don't have you first. And Holy Spirit, I, I trust right now, even as I pray that prayer, that you're moving around in all of us and you're reminding us of things that we need to maybe put second or third or fourth and reprioritize things and shift things around. And God, I pray for us in the house that the very first step of putting you first is receiving you as Savior. So God, I do pray if there's anybody in the room or anybody online that's never said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord, that that would be a prayer offered right now. God, that, that you would come in and that you would forgive them of their sins, that you would set them on a path of newness and freshness of life. But God, it's only by your grace that we exist at all. We want to say thank you for Jesus's rescuing his salvation in our lives. God, we want to say thank you that you gave the best of your best to redeem us who didn't de deserve it, the unclean, and then you made us clean. And we're just humbled by that, God. Thank you for all that you do in our lives, all that you provide in our lives. We just humble ourselves and say, bless you back for blessing us, Jesus. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you guys. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Sunday. And I, if you're going to stick around for the, the vision branding meeting, you're welcome to hang out. Uh, we will be here and start that in just a few minutes. Otherwise, God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.